traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I think that Mitch McConnell does have a death wish. It is a political death wish. You see what? Uh, oh, oh, oh. And his crazy wife. What are they called? Coco. Coco Chow. Uh, Donald Trump put out a pretty wild uh, true social message. You know what? They're all wild. That's what it is. It's the Internet. It's supposed to have a little bit of zing, a little bit of zang, a little bit of juice, right? That's what that's how he won the presidency in part bypassing all those fake news idiots and uh, going right to the people. And uh, yeah, speaking the way people speak, it's okay. All weekend long. Oh my gosh, everybody is <laughs> so traumatized by Donald Trump and his truth social post. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I see that uh, Eric uh, Adams is still having a gay old time as the mayor while the city disintegrates, literally disintegrates around him. The nerve of this guy to be having so much fun. Imagine, imagine like the captain of the Titanic just having a blast. You heard about, you know, the the, the violin players, you know, on the deck. But I mean, I'm talking breakdancing. Can you imagine any, anybody breakdancing while the Titanic is sinking? That's what we have with Eric, Dan, uh, Eric Adams. Having the time of his life does not care as long as he looks a certain way. You know, with the suit, with the shirt, with the this, with the that, uh, you and I, we just don't matter, all right? Don't rain on his parade. Well, we will not forget, although a lot of us are, because life moves fast and, uh, you know, there's always something to be, something else. There's always some Kardashian doing something stupid. Uh, Joe Biden falls down. But we lost that great hero last week, an amazing woman, paramedic. With the fire, with the fire, more than a power, an EMT. It's like, or a paramedic is higher than an EMT. Sixty-one years old, twenty-two years of service, stabbed on the street in the middle of the afternoon. Twenty stab wounds to the chest. She just went in to buy a sandwich, and you know what? Everybody's kind of like blasé already. Just blasé. Just count down the days until Kathy Hochul gets elected. Are you kidding me? No, Mm-mm. not in my New York. No way. No way. This cannot happen. This will not stand. This will not stand. Kathy Hochul can pretend and, you know, just worry about her hair and getting it brushed and the makeup job and all that weird stuff that, well, it's not weird, but it's, uh, you know, she just is in it for all the, she's a vain person. She's totally vain. She likes the power. She likes the title. She likes the SUVs. She likes seeing guys around her with guns. You can't have guns, but she can have a gun. It's interesting. You know, all the public places where there might be a mass shooting, you know, that we, God forbid, we don't want a mass shooting. Even though the Supreme Court says you, the law that New York had that you can't bring your licensed gun or you can get a licensed gun, but you got to jump through all these hoops. Now you don't have to jump through all these hoops. If you are a citizen, there's a way legally to get a gun. 
The criminals know there's a way to get a gun. But now a law-abiding citizen can't carry a gun with them into all these places where there might be a mass shooting, where you could possibly use somebody with the gun because the cops, unfortunately, in this environment may or may not be there. We have to help this Lee Zeldin guy. Um, Should I do this now? Look, I, I thought about it this way. Let's pretend you are a person and you give Lee Zeldin right now $10. And let's say 100 of you were to do that. $10 from 100 of you. That would equal $1,000, right? Yes, I think. Yes. If 100 people gave 10 bucks each to Lee Zeldin right now, that would equal $1,000. You know, you know how powerful that is? That's like 100 times more powerful than one guy donating $1,000. Same amount of money, but one formula is so much better. So much more powerful. You can do this. We can do this. We can do this. All right? I can't let her get in there. There's not, I'm just not, mm -mm, mm -mm. we're going to fight it out. We're going to uh, raise awareness. We are going to make sure that Lee Zeldin is on TV 24-7. And we're not going to give the governorship at this vital time to some airhead beauty queen. I'm sorry. The way she waves, she's always wanted to be in a beauty contest. I can tell. I can tell. All right. Now, more for the freak out. Oh, 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 Antonio Brown. What is wrong with this guy? What an animal he is. This guy is a flat-out animal. Now, first of all, he was um, fondling himself in a public pool in Dubai. I mean, I saw what he was doing. I mean, did you see that? You, you you can't that's that's arrestable. Why wasn't he arrested? Dubai they don't take that kind of stuff, do they? They don't allow that. That's they're they're pretty conservative there. I mean, it's no Saudi Arabia. In fact, the Saudis go to Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, when they want to party. All right, uh, uh, Mecca is a dry city. It's a dry country, Saudi Arabia, but they got all the booze you want. It's like Las Vegas on the sea. But even in Las Vegas, you can't fondle yourself in the pool in front of everybody. You can't do that. And he was doing that I'm right on tape. Antonio Brown, the guy is crazy. But I think the worst thing is, the most offensive thing, well, first of all, Antonio Brown, what position did he play? He's a wide receiver, right? Wide receiver. But he's such a head case and such a problem and you know, bad attitude, he can't be on any team for more than two months before uh, the team basically kicks him out. Did you hear that Tom Brady guy let him stay in his house? I guess they played together on the Buccaneers for a little while. And Tom Brady, the quarterback, you know, hey, you're new to the team. Why don't you stay with me? More on that in a second. But here's Antonio Brown. And, well, is he happy, sad, mad? This is last year. Cut 44. I'm just grateful. That's, you know, that's all I can say. Well, anytime I get a chance to, you know, be a part of the organization, uh, play with a great guy such as Tom. Uh, you just want to provide your all anytime the opportunity presents itself. All right. Neither here nor there. Doesn't sound, um, you know, it's fine. Says the right thing at one press conference. Does the wrong thing everywhere else. So he just put up a picture. I mean, this is really, this is really ugly, I think. And what does it connote? Antonio Brown put up a picture of him and Giselle Bunchton, who's Tom Brady's wife, hugging. Right after a game. And it's quite a hug. It's a happiness, right? They won the Super Bowl, is it? Is that the Super Bowl? Who knows? Was he there long enough to win the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers? I don't think so, actually. 
So the connotation is, the implication is, he hooked up with Giselle when he's staying with Tom Brady, which I guess is somewhat, you know, I mean, it's not inconceivable. I hope that didn't happen. Uh, I would never let the guy uh, like Antonio Brown stay over for a couple of days. I just, I'm sorry. You just, I mean, uh, you're asking for trouble. I mean, not just Antonio Brown. Any Anybody, you just bring in some guy you don't know who's pretty good looking and in great shape. You don't let him hang around your family. I mean, you got to be generous. You got to be, uh, but you can uh, put a guy up in a hotel, can't you? Or I, I just, uh, uh, yeah, put him up in another house. Uh, but I, yeah, I can't have a guy like that around my house. Oh, that's never going to happen. But actually, I have thought about that. You know, these rich guys, and they get there. They're so super rich, and then they get a yacht, and then they get a hot looking wife, and everything's great. And then the hot looking wife starts hooking up with like the cabin boy. You know, I mean, this guy went through all that trouble to get all that money and buy this yacht. And marries this woman, and now the woman is hooking up with a cabin boy. I actually saw that, uh, that uh, what's it called again, Below Deck, that reality show. Anybody else see that? Uh, that's That kind of stuff happens. That kind of stuff. All right, so where is the Truth Social? This is a legendary Truth Social. I actually like it a lot. Uh, truth Social Trump. And, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, he deserves this. He deserves it. He deserves to be called out. All right, where is the one that he says all these horrible things? Are they that horrible? No. It's the truth, and people can't handle it. All right, where is it? He says, oh, sorry about this, folks. Um, well, do me a favor. Here's the freak out. Here's everybody losing their mind. Uh, cut 35. Trump said, quote, he has a death wish for supporting Democratic-sponsored bills. He also mocked McConnell's wife and his own former transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as, quote, China-loving and Coco Chow. You're a member of the Senate GOP leadership. Are you okay with this? Well, look, I, I can never talk about, respond to why anybody else says what they said. But here's what it is. The way I looked at it is I think, you know, what the president is saying is, you know, we've there's been a lot of money spent over Can the last two years. we stop for a years. second? Uh, I like Rick Scott. He stinks on these shows. I don't know why he goes on them every time. He's like, he can't defend. He's not good at this stuff. He's on. He's Anyway, keep going. Oh, you got to play it from the top. I'll play another one. Play another one. Uh, go to cut 36. I want to pivot a little bit to Donald Trump. He has used some, as always, his rhetoric seems to get more extreme and we get sometimes numb to it. He issued a death threat against it's, I don't know any other way to put it, against Mitch McConnell. You, I'll let viewers decide whether this is a death threat to them. Is McConnell approving all these trillions of dollars worth of Democrat-sponsored bills without even the slightest bit of negotiation because he hates Donald J. Trump? And then he has a death wish, must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. So, very racist attack against his yeah. wife. It was just extraordinary. And there seems to be a numbness now to this, particularly among Republicans. Uh, well, not in the media. You guys are all freaking out all over the time, all over the place here. But there's nothing racist about this, and it's not a death threat. He actually calls him. He says he's he called it a death threat. No, that's not. It's a figure of speech. It is a figure of speech. People use it all the time, including Chuck Todd. You guys have that clip where he says, where he says, uh, I actually don't think you do, but I have it here. Let me see if I can get it. He uses it a million times. I've got a million headlines, people using the term death wish. It's, it's, people say it. It doesn't mean cut 34. Listen to this. When we come back, the Republican Party has 31 governorships, the most senators since 2005, and the most members of the House since the Hoover presidency. 
So why does it seem as though the party has a death wish when it comes to trying to win the White House? Oh, my God. How dare he? What is he? He's threatening all Republicans with death. No, of course not. Saying you have a death wish is saying uh, or, or accusing somebody of having a death wish is accusing somebody of doing something stupid and not acting in their best interests. Right. Somebody has a death wish. That's that doesn't mean you're supposed to. I'm calling on everybody to kill. No, of course not. Uh, but it's Trump. So and they're out to get Trump. And they're so easily flabbergasted, even though the wall, especially the Wall Street Journal, I should say, Wall Street Journal. Oh, my God, he's the worst thing in the world. Uh, how dare he? And uh, no, it's really not bad. And the other thing, I think it's actually funny calling her Coco Chow. It's not a racist. How is that racist? The only Coco, I, I know of two Cocos, Coco Chanel, the elegant French grand dame woman, happened to be white, by the way. Uh, what? She started the Chanel company, Coco Chanel, Chanel number five, Coco. It, it, Coco means darling in French. It, it, it's uh, how, What is the racial connotation there what is the racial connotation he comes up with nicknames for everybody some of them make sense some of them don't some make you wonder what's he getting at what's that all about who's the other coco i know i and there's one nice coco i know um uh ice tea's wife coco very nice woman i don't know what her ethnicity is off the top of my head um i don't i i just don't see coco as having any kind of ethnic uh character i just don't and to call her China-loving is not racist. We've got all kinds of China-loving people in our government who are screwing things up. And you can love the Chinese people. Talking about the Chinese Communist Party, obviously. And she and her family have a lot of business over there, a lot of business. And it makes you wonder, when it comes to their business, I mean, what do they put for, for first, America or their business? There are some serious questions that have been raised over the years about um, her business dealings, her father's business dealings, Mitch McConnell having a major conflict of interest. This is all legitimate stuff, all right? And they're trying to say, no, you can't say that because, oh, somebody somewhere might be a crazy person and react. No, we don't conduct ourselves that way. We don't conduct our affairs that way. We speak the way we speak. We can't do that. Don't let them do that. Oh, you don't know that there could be somebody somewhere who would take those. So what are we supposed to do? Talk like babies? Oh, speaking of babies, we had a wonderful weekend with the children. Uh, More on that when I come back. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You always have to make time to watch a Trump rally. Whether you catch it live or you catch it the way the president often watches TV with the TiVo. you really should watch these things. Uh, you'll learn a lot, and I, I still learn things. I, I learn things that I have not heard before. Uh, they're great. They're And you know what? I think sooner or later, sooner or later, he's going to start kind of marketing these things for the other side. I mean, just say, do me a favor. If you are on the left, I want you to listen to me this weekend because I will be speaking to you. I understand some people don't like Trump's demeanor. They don't like his uh, the way he looks. They just can't stand him. I hope they can get past that and look at what he's actually talking about. These are just sound, common sense things that basically any reasonable person would would agree with. I mean, parents having a role in educating children, right? That 
children should not have confidential discussions about sex and gender with strangers. Teachers are essentially strangers. They are adult people talking to your kids and not telling the parents things about the kids that they know. That's wrong, obviously, obviously. You know, Trump is a very open-minded type of guy, too. Hey, he never gets credit for this, but the very first gay, openly gay member of a presidential cabinet was not Pete Buttigieg. It was Rick Grinnell, great guy, director of national intelligence, happens to be gay. So what? (coughs) I mean, part of it is, excuse me, and this is a good thing. They didn't make such a big deal out of it. You know, they didn't make such a big deal. So wait, let me go back to the... The rally here. What do we got? Uh, let's do cut uh, 39. I didn't I didn't know this. Did you cut 39? But the head, think of it. The head of the SEC was the chief financial officer of Crooked Hillary's campaign that she lost to us. And you won't believe this one, but Melissa Hodgman, I call her Melissa Hodgman Strzok, is the wife of the legendary Peter Strzok of the FBI. And she's the acting director of enforcement at the SEC. So think of this. Peter Strzok's wife is going after the people wanting to finance our platform. Can you imagine? Is this, again, this could only happen to Trump. This doesn't happen to people. Remember, Strzok and his lover, Lisa Page, had a torrid affair and were writing love notes about the insurance policy to take out Trump if... He should win the election. Should he win, we have an insurance policy. You know what the insurance policy was? All of the things that we've been through over the last five years. These are dangerous people who are willing to burn every American institution to the ground to target their political opponents. These are very sick and dangerous people. But we will never let them silence us. All right. I did not know that. I mean, I knew that Peter Strzok was married to a Hillary Clinton fundraiser. But I did not know that she had that job. And the SEC is definitely giving a hard time to Trump and Truth Social and all those things. Every financial uh, endeavor initiative, they're all over him trying to trying to find something. And they can't. They can't. That really boggles their mind. They cannot. They cannot lay a hand on him. So they make stuff up. But let's see. Melissa Hodgman, named acting director of the Division of Enforcement at the SEC, this is January 22nd, 2021. So this is one of the very first things they do. The very first thing they do is to make up to Peter Strzok's wife to make to make her understand everything's going to be okay. The Securities and Exchange Commission today announced Melissa R. Hodgman, currently an associate director in the commission's Division of Enforcement, has been named acting director of the Division of Enforcement. Melissa's dedication to investor protection, broad experience in the division, and proven track record of collaboration and creative problem-solving make her ideally suited to this role. Ideally? Ideally? I'm sorry, but what about her husband, who was probably breaking the law to stop Trump, to actually cancel the results of a free and fair election? The last one we had, by the way. Totally free and fair? (laughs) Yeah, this is still America. It's okay to have doubts about the 2020. Wow, she's here. Here she is, Mrs. Hodgman. Mrs. Hodgman struck. It has been my honor to serve with the incredibly talented. This is the very first order of business they do is hiring Mrs. Peter Schrock. You learn something new in these uh, Trump rallies. Let's see. What else? Uh, Now, I knew some of this, but not all of it. Uh, Cut 40, please. This is regarding security on January 6th. Go ahead. 
One million people at the potentially historic speech, which it turned out to be a historic speech, and I recommended and authorized to numerous people, including the Secretary of Defense and others, 10,000 to 20,000 troops to ensure peace, safety, and protection. That recommendation was turned down by crazy Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of Washington, D.C. They said they didn't like the look of it. But that means there was no insurrection, because somebody creating an insurrection doesn't recommend from 10 to 20,000 troops to keep everybody safe. But you won't hear about that from the fake news media right back there. There's a lot of them. And this was verified by, oh, I knew about that there was the allocation of resources and they didn't take them up on it. But I did not know that the Obama era IG, I think his name is Horowitz from the Department of Justice, was it? No, there must have been a DOD IG. Back this up. Back this up. If you look it up, you know, say false. President Trump did not do that. But the inspector general actually backs up his version. That's what happened. Uh, again, a raw deal, but it ain't going to work. All right. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, tomorrow's another Jewish holiday. Uh, we'll be right back. And that's great. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, it's Curtis Sliwa right now on Fox Business. Good for him. Good for him getting the word out there. And if only he were the mayor right now. Oh, boy, is it bad. Is it bad? It's bad. It's bad. But not for Eric. Not for Eric. He's having a gay old time. Cut 37. Listen to this. And so I think that uh, you've had a lot of mayors that did the waltz. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Uh, uh. The Boogaloo is not a cool dance, by the way. It goes back to, like, 1958. It's just like he's, uh, he's not as cool as he thinks he is. Uh, bad stuff. So who cares about the – who cares what people look like, right? Who cares? Up until 10 minutes ago, everybody cares. Everybody cares. There's a whole list of things I'm not supposed to talk about because I am a white male. How could I know? How could I know? I, I also happen to be a human being of a certain age, and I have experience, and I think – Human beings have a lot in common with each other, don't we? Don't we? I really think we do. And you know what? If you happen to be a Hispanic pansexual, uh, I think I might have a couple of things to teach you. And you know what? I might be able to learn from you as well. Hmm? And the one thing I'm not going to do with the uh, 18-year-old Hispanic pansexual is talk about sex. What else do you got going for you? You know, what else are you into? Are you good at math? I don't know. I, I'm not good at math. Are you good at math? Can't we talk about anything else? Now, it's coming from the very top. This fixation on race. Katanji Brown Jackson. Enough with her already. This is her first day at work. I am so sick of her. Uh, she was now. When was it? I, how long? How long have we been doing this? I guess it's only been a few months. She replaced Stephen Breyer. Stephen Breyer was the... Um, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. You may not know this, but he sounds just like I'm talking right now. Uh, but he's gone, and now it's her turn. And again, oh boy, it's always a first historic day with Katanji Brown Jackson. It's always a first historic day with Democrats, right? Can I hear that, please? Did you get what I sent you? 
Okay. So when I tell you I sent you something, let me know earlier. Let's see if I can send it to you again. But Katanji Brown-Jackson is uh, all into her... Um, let's see here. Kevin Drosh. Yeah, I did send it to you. I texted it to you. You got that? Okay, it says delivered. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Damn it. Yeah. Um... Let's get it to Perez then, not the other one. Uh, here you go. Whammo. All right, see what you can do with that. In the meantime, Kamala Harris is also not who you are, not what you've done. It's what you look like. Even when it comes to hurricane relief, cut 10. It is our... Um, lowest income communities and in our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Woo! This is the last thing the federal government should be worried about is what hurricane victims in Florida look like, where they come from. Everybody, it doesn't matter, a community, whatever happened to being a community. You know, there are rich people who lost their homes. There are poor people who lost their homes. But to go down there and dole out relief based on what people look like or what side of the railroad tracks you're on. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. I believe. I believe. But this is, uh, this is how she rolls. And, you know, she made the gaffe of the century. Talk. <laughs> Saying that we're friends with North Korea. She really did that. She said we're friends with North Korea, but we, uh, we're not friends with North Korea, are we? Right? No. She said it out loud. Cut 38. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. You know, she could have come out and said, uh, I took an Ambien. And they do take those a lot. Uh, the White House doctor, they hand them out. And they should. I mean, when you're going overseas and Time zone changes. Jet lag is a big deal. It's a real thing to, although if you're a vice president or president, there are little tricks you can do. You know, uh, George H.W. Bush, he used to go to Air Force One like the night before it took off. He'd go to bed on Air Force One at like 930 at night and it would take off at like three in the morning or whatever. I thought that was pretty cool. He just he wanted he was very fastidious about getting enough sleep. What's that noise? Did you hear that? Uh, no, okay. I'm hearing like, somebody playing video games over there. It's okay, but I keep hearing a little. Um, all right, so there's Katinge. Oh, Katanji Brown Jackson. She is now on the Supreme Court, and she's still virtue signaling. You know, you have the job already. What's what's impressive about Katanji Brown Jackson? Uh, there's plenty. I'm sure there is. I mean, her academic credentials are. Really, really impressive. She was a debate champion when she was in high school. These are a lot of cool things. And they're noteworthy, and you can respect them, and you can respect her. But what really touches her heart is when, I guess, you look a certain way or you are a certain way, 
You come up to her in a restaurant and she feels it. Do we have that? All right, here we go. People from all walks of life approach me with what I can only describe as a profound sense of pride and what feels to me like renewed ownership. I can see it in their eyes. I can hear it in their voices. They stare at me as if to say, look at what we've done. They say, they say this, this is what we can accomplish if we put our minds to it. They might not use those words, but I get the message. They are calling on the ancestors, hearkening back to history and claiming their stake at last. At last. They're saying to me, in essence, you go, you go girl. What is this, 1993? Nobody says you go girl anymore. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. If I met, uh, who's another Supreme Court justice? If I met John Roberts, would I say, now I know that anything is possible because you, you little conflict-averse wimp, you are on the Supreme Court. You, you rhino. No, I don't feel any allegiance. I can feel, by the way, I'd probably feel intimidated. I met Brett Kavanaugh, Yale, Harvard, this, that, and the other thing, appointment secretary to the president when he's 29 years old. I might feel a little bit intimidated. I mean, his accomplishments are his. I actually don't feel as intimidated as I used to. I used to have hangups. I really don't have any hangups anymore. Well, yeah, I got a couple. But anyway, I, I'm not impressed like I used to be to the point that it would inhibit me or make me bashful or make me feel inadequate if somebody went to this school or that school and had this job or that job. It used to kind of, you know, oh, boy, I'm, I'm, what, what am I? Uh, no, I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be, and that's fine. I'm still working on a lot of things, and that's great. And good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Good for her. But it doesn't mean uh, now. now, now what did, how did she put it? Now, now we see what's possible because you did that. All right. So you were get you were planning to go to the Supreme Court, but you didn't think so. You could until she got there. Now, you know, you can. Got news for you. You can't. You can't. If you're going up to if you're going up to her in a restaurant in all likelihood, you haven't been doing the things you're supposed to be doing if you want to be on the Supreme Court. Being on the Supreme Court is no big deal, by the way. The pay is not all that. It's not exactly you're not exactly. uh well, not that fame is a worthy goal, but you're not exactly famous. I mean, close your eyes. How many how many Supreme Court justices do you know what they look like? If they walked in the room, you would know who they are. I actually once found myself right next to Judge Roberts, and um, he is a very bland-looking person. He kind of blends in. He looks like everybody. You look at him. He is every man you've ever seen in your life. Not, not not a distinguished looking person. Not, there's not a criticism. He just looks very bland. Um, who's another one? Kavanaugh looks like just any other guy. I, I, I just anyway. When they go out in public, well, now they're being harassed, and that's horrible. And they uh, they shouldn't be. They should not be. Leave them alone. All right. So we had a beautiful celebration, a special blessing for our daughter, our new daughter. Um, she's nine months old now. Madeline, Madeline, and uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing. 
His eminence, Cardinal Dolan, came and uh, officiated. What an amazing man. What an amazing individual. And what, what a moment. What a moment to see them so blessed. So blessed. And uh, my wife put together a very nice uh, get-together. It was really, really, really great. So grateful. Things are good. Things are good. Um, and now I know that uh, my job is to be there. My job is to be there for the kids. you got to be there. Not necessarily. You know, somebody once told me when it comes to parenting, it's not quality, it's quantity. It's not the quality time. It's the quantity of time. you just got to be there a lot. You gotta be around, physically around, and you got you can't be their friend. You gotta be the boss. You can't be their fr- you know you can be friendly, but you've got to be. You're the leader. You're not just some. It's not you want to be loved, not liked. Does that make sense? I hope so. I'm still figuring this stuff out. I think I'm off to a pretty good start. Um, we'll uh, we'll see. All right. What else we got? Tonight on the Newsmax show, Tudor Dixon will be my guest. Tudor Dixon is a Republican running for governor in Michigan. She is uh, quite a woman, and I think she's going to win. Oh, I got a radio feud going with some guy. What's his name again? Um, Joe Madison. He's very upset. Well, I'm upset with him. Now, you heard about all the kids. Uh, The NYPD, beloved institution, sent down a bunch of kids to where? The African-American Museum in Washington, D.C. There are so many other things to I mean, I'm sorry. It's not a good museum compared to all the other museums. I think you got to start with the basics. I think you got to start with the Washington Monument, the Jefferson Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, I know they're white men, but what can, you, what can I tell you? They were, they were great men. Instead, you're supposed to... I'm telling you, I know children. I'm, I don't feel that far removed from my childhood, okay? They're going to get bored in about eight seconds down there. So they sent a bunch of kids down to Washington, D.C., expressly to see the African-American Museum. And I think this is a good-hearted program, a little bit misguided. Here's the captain uh, who sent them down there, cut 25. A lot of these kids haven't had the opportunity to get down there. Some of them can't afford it. Some of them don't even know that it exists. So for us to be able to do this, it's just, again, it's a great educational opportunity for them. It's a great way for us to partner up with the Board of Ed and give these kids an interactive experience. So I thought that uh, I think it's great to go to Washington, D.C. That's really great. But I think they should have a more broad experience than just walking around the African-American Museum. I'm sorry. I've been to the museum, and I do think it's kind of problematic to talk about and think about slavery all this time it creates resentment it creates hostility and i have created a lot of hostility by bringing that up it's okay i can handle it i'll have it when i come back greg kelly on the red apple podcast network i just saw another video of a guy losing getting robbed of his watch getting robbed. you got a nice watch leave it at home oh and uh you know, I started, I took a few um, tepid little steps back to, onto the subway. <laughs> yeah, I won't be doing that for a long time. Yeah, no thanks. I'm going to wait it out. And if you can afford it, do not take that damn train anymore, all right? Just don't do it. It's too dangerous. It is too bloody dangerous. All right. Oh, here's that, uh, here's this crazy radio host who hates my guts because I think there's more to life than talking about race all day long. Cut 26. You know, Greg Kelly, what an... What a 
Give me a damn break. Well, I've been there, but it's divisive. Mm -hmm. Oh, the kids. Go to the Air and Space Museum. Oh, that's cool. You can touch a moon rock. Yep. Oh, but this is divisive. Oh, you know, this is divisive. Excuse me. Sirius XM and Pandora, by the way, they have an exhibit there. They have an exhibit there. Does that make you want to go to the African-American Museum to see some radio stations, uh, sponsorship <laughs> that they you know that they bought off the mob they bought they bought off they, they did they did some uh philanthropic virtue signaling no i don't i don't really care about that now why should you go to the african-american museum according to joe madison do you really think a bunch of uh 13 and 14 year old kids want to see this stuff cut 27 you can also see chuck berry's cadillac <laughs> dick gregory has an exhibit there uh, who's Chuck Berry? I know. I he's the rock and roll guy. Whatever. I I just I I can't see his Cadillac. <laughs> I just that's what that's what young people need to see again, right? The glorification of musicians and comedians. You go to the museum to glorify musicians and comedians. Don't we glorify them enough? Okay, every person, everybody wants to be a performer. Nobody wants to be a mechanic. Wants to build stuff. Just want to sit around and I don't think that's worthwhile. Uh, now, oh, listen to this. Uh, he, uh, he implores me to call his show. Cut 28. Let me tell you something, Greg Kelly. If you had any brains whatsoever, any, damn you, I'm, uh, let damn me tell you, you, you know, and, and I don't, call me, damn it, call me. But you don't have the courage to call me. Damn this. Well, I did call him up. And uh, I did, did, and he just, all he did was yell and scream and curse. He yelled and he screamed and he cursed. What a missed opportunity for him. Uh, Sandra in New Jersey, hello. Hello, welcome back. Um, I wanted to um, mention to you, I wanted to get your opinion. I was looking at the New York Post on Saturday, and um, the synagogue on the Upper West Side had... um, Dick Morris scheduled for a book event, you know, his book uh, that he wrote, The Return yeah. of Trump. And all of a sudden they canceled it. And I am very surprised because when you think about it, Donald Trump did so much for Israel. And from what I understand. Well, wait a second. I mean, maybe they canceled it. Maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, look, I was once going to have dinner with uh, Dick Morris. He canceled it the day before. It happens. It happens in life doesn't mean anything sinister. It doesn't mean that. Look, I'm going to actually have Dick Morris on the show uh, in the 2 o'clock hour, 2.40 or so. I'll ask him. But I I, could, I doubt. Look, he's from the Upper West Side, and he's a – I don't think it was anything. What makes you say it was, it was something? How do you know? It was. It said in the paper that they don't want any controversial discussions about the debate, that it was stolen. They don't want any of that. They, and, and, and maybe it was stolen. What do you mean it was said it, said it in what paper? Okay, the New York Post on Saturday. I have it here. I cut it out. And it says uh, Upper West Side Synagogue slams door on the GOPers. All right. And it's about... It's, and it's, a, it's upsetting. I mean... All right, all right. All right. Look, there's, uh, don't be too upset, all right? We know that there's censorship going on. We know that it's tough to be a MAGA person. We know all that. We know all that. He got his book published by Humanix, Newsmax's imprint, and it's out there. He's selling a book. Highly, highly, highly recommended. He's going to be on my show 
you know, sometimes good things can come from a setback. I'm going to ask them all about this. Sometimes, believe it or not, even the New York Post can get it wrong. But maybe, maybe, did they? St- are they censoring him? Uh, uh, yeah, that's bad news. It's happening. Sandra, everything else okay? Thank God, one day at a time, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, I often take the day off on Saturday from the Post. I did not see that piece. Uh, saw Michael Goodwin over the weekend. It's great. Thank you, Sandra. And the other thing is, uh, well, it's almost time for me to take a break. Let me do that. Let me regroup. A Newsmax TV show is doing amazingly well. 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Greg, no one's doing television like I'm doing it. I am so proud of this little gem that we've got going. The other thing, uh, my book will be available wherever books are sold starting January 10th. Justice for All. You can pre-order it now if you want. But you know what? Better than pre-ordering, although I would not mind. We really should send uh, Lee Zeldin some bucks. All right? 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. You know, Kathy Hochul is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars from rich people who want stuff from her. Let's help Zeldin. All I want from him is safety. And, uh, you know, sanity would be a nice change. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. They're still losing their minds out of this and I think over this, and I think it's very, very funny and also spot-on accurate. All right? Don't believe the hype. He is always right. He is always right, and it's fascinating. All right? So here we go. Here we go. Here's what's got uh, the Democrat world all, and a good chunk of the wimpy Republicans upset as well. Uh, Truth Social, which looks very much like Twitter, and I've got to set up my account. i got to set it up. I'm always... You know how much of a pain it is to set up an account, and you got to remember the password? Oh, boy. Uh, it confounds me. It always does. But here we go. In, a, in McConnell approving all of these trillions of dollars worth of Democrat-sponsored bills without even the slightest bit of negotiation because he hates Donald J. Trump. He hates Trump. And he knows I am strongly opposed to them. Or is it because he believes in the fake and highly destructive Green New Deal? Um, He is willing to have the country go down with him? In any event, it is all unacceptable. He has a death wish. Must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. Oh, my gosh, can you believe how written? No, it's not written. Nothing. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. By the way, Mr. McConnell, Mr. McConnell is really not working for the American people, and he's really been out undermining Republicans running and complaining about kind of the quality and a thinly-veiled swipe of Donald Trump. For a man who's been in the swamp for 40 years... He, hey, is that good McConnell or what? That's the way he talks. He's no good. He's terrible. He is in it for himself. And yeah, I'm sorry, but um, Coco Chow... And Coco is not racist. Coco. It, it means darling in French. Coco Chanel is the most famous Coco, right? We, we talked about that. Coco Chanel. Chanel number five. This elegant grand dame of all of Paris. Global fashion... The most famous Coco in the world is white. There's nothing about her name. There's nothing about, and you, 
yes, she's American, but she's, it looks like Mitch and Elaine Chao have a little bit too many, way too many entanglements with the Communist Party of China. And they are our enemy. The people of China, amazing people, amazing. The government of China, bad, real bad. And Elaine Chow, his father has his big company, and guess what? They're building ships in China. The Chinese communists are building ships for the Chow family in China. This is a this is a real conflict of interest, and he's calling attention to it. And you know what? That's okay. That is a okay. You're allowed to do it. And death wish anybody who says that this is a death threat, they are playing a sick game. Talk about death. It is a figure of speech. It is a figure of speech. Now, yesterday, Chuck Todd was horrified by this, right? Can I play that clip? This is the one from yesterday, the later clip, at 35 or so. Let's see here. Is it 35? You know, the second one from yesterday. You got it? All right. Oh, got to give him one second. Let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, Go with 36. I want to pivot a little bit to Donald Trump. He has used some, as always, his rhetoric seems to get more extreme and we get sometimes numb to it. He issued a death threat against, it's, I don't know any other way to put it, against Mitch McConnell. I'll let viewers decide whether this is a death threat to them. Is McConnell approving all these trillions of dollars worth of Democrat-sponsored bills without even the slightest bit of negotiation because he hates Donald J. Trump? And then he has a death wish, must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. So... Very racist attack against his yeah. wife. It was just extraordinary. Stop. And there seems Stop. to be a racist attack against his wife. And he said, I think he said flat out, this is a death threat. Now, let me say, is it a death threat to say that Mitch McConnell has a death wish? I hear it all the time, and you're about to hear it again. That One more time. I think he says flat out that's a death threat, right? One more time. I want to pivot a little bit to Donald Trump. He has used some, as always, his rhetoric seems to get more extreme and we get sometimes numb to it he issued a death threat against it's i don't know stop he issued a death threat he issued a death threat you lying lazy sack of cut 34 chuck todd 2012 i guess he's by his own verbal standards he's issuing a death threat to republicans everywhere listen to what chuck todd said go ahead cut 34 When we come back, the Republican Party has 31 governorships, the most senators since 2005, and the most members of the House since the Hoover presidency. So why does it seem as though the party has a death wish when it comes to trying to win the White House? Oh, my God. He said death wish. You see, it is a figure of speech. You lying. Oh, gosh. Now, even the Wall Street Journal is out there. Oh, the president spoke irresponsibly. must No, we don't speak like we're talking to lunatics all the time. We're men and women. We're adults, 18 and up. We can't. This is another attempt to censor us. This really is. Now, what do they say here? This is the Wall Street Journal that hates Trump, by the way. Mr. Trump let loose another tirade against the GOP Senate leader. Uh, They repeat the tweet. In any event, either reason, it's unacceptable. He is a death wish. This continues Mr. Trump's attacks on Elaine Chao, Mr. McConnell's wife, for being. No, he's not. Attacking her for being Chinese-American. We all know that the Bidens have sold out America to China. It is irrespective of race. It's totally irrespective of race. 
Uh, no, and you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm the only one in the world who gets it. You and me, by the way. Um, listen to this. But the death wish rhetoric is ugly even by Mr. Trump's standards and deserves to be condemned. I guess they're talking about, am I an apologist? I'm just looking at what, I'm looking at the words. I am looking at the words. And yes, we will say that that was a political death wish. There is a difference. But here's what, what do you mean that isn't what he wrote? It's all too easy to imagine some fanatic taking Mr. Trump seriously and literally and attempting to kill Mr. McConnell. We don't, we don't talk like we're talking to babies. Okay. What are we going to do? Rearrange language? You know, they try to they try to cancel me because I once said you got to fight for Trump. Fight for Trump. Did I mean? No, I mean, being vocal. I mean, taking to Twitter. I mean, voting. I mean, writing checks. I don't mean breaking the law. Nobody does. This is a sick game they're playing. A really sick game. Now, they want to take Trump. Then they won't. They won't. Let's see how this plays out. Actually, I don't think this is a, you know, people are kind of accustomed to this, and they're they're accustomed to the uh, the outrage and uh, people like me coming in and saying this is, and decoding it for everybody else. Because if you don't look at this carefully, and most people don't, you'll just believe what the fake news tells you. In fact, on MSNBC this morning, uh, they, they did like 45 minutes of sustained freakout over that message on Truth Social. Go ahead. You know, Rev, when you're having the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times write the same day uh, on a growing threat of violence in the political system fueled by Donald Trump, you know uh, there's something serious going on. No, this is very serious. And and, and let me uh, use this example, uh, because you and I have had these conversations candidly, privately, but I want to use it publicly. I remember back in the 80s, uh, we would use language uh, that would, in many ways, could be interpreted by fanatics whichever way they wanted. And it was Mrs. Coretta Scott King, Dr. King's widow, that said to me, Al, if you're going to be part of the nonviolent movement, you've got to stop saying things that could even be misinterpreted. All right, stop for a second. Can He's... <laughs> I'll give Al a little bit of credit here. He knows how many horrible, racist, anti-Semitic things. And there's hours and hours and hours of it. So, I mean, Joe may not want, (laughs) probably shouldn't have gone to Al Sharpton first on this panel. Anti-Semite. Oh, up and down. Anti-Asian. Talk about it. It, Now we are really in a weird place. A non-racist remark. Totally non-racist. They go to the racist for analysis, Al Sharpton. And what am I basing that on? I'm basing it on what he orchestrated in Brooklyn, I believe it was 1990, 32 years ago. That horrific boycott of those Korean grocery stores in Brooklyn. What he did to that community. There's a lot of friction that remains, by the way. A lot of friction. If we had a full and open and honest conversation about what's happening to the Asian community, we'll see that a lot of the vitriol directed at them is coming from people of color, other people of color. Disproportionately black people, actually. That doesn't mean everybody, of course not. A very small, lunatic fringe. But it's out there, and it's disproportionate. There are more. It's totally disproportionate. More than any other group in America. Yet, 
Joe Biden and Kamala Harris hop on Air Force One anytime they can possibly, possibly make the case, even theoretically, this is white supremacy. Remember that? They, they fired up Air Force One because they thought they could blame it on a white supremacist, that Asian spa attack. Meanwhile, Asian Americans are being pummeled every day all over the place. And they're oblivious to it because they can't score any political points. Um, do I want to hear the rest of what Al, Al Sharpton has to say? Because I'm kind of curious who comes next. All right. Release the pause button, please. And she was right. I mean, she reprimanded me. Uh, I used to use slang words, the N-word, calling whites names or whatever. She said, you can't do that. This is 25 <laughs> years ago. And when a few years later, when a guy stabbed me, I forgave him. In All the right, stop one second. 25 years ago is 1997, okay? Uh, it's not 1957. <laughs> it's not ancient history. Jeez. And we're this. What's he? Oh, God. And Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. I don't want to say the words that they were saying, but you can look them up. Horrible things about white people, especially Jewish people. Both of them. So it's interesting to watch. Uh, all right, so he's set it up. Now he's giving himself room in which to criticize Trump. Release the pause button, please. Spirit of Dr. King and said that publicly. As late as George Floyd, we had to unequivocally say, yes, we want justice. Yes, we think the police are, are guilty, but we do not condone and, in fact, denounce the violence. You can't walk on both sides of the street at the same time. And Donald Trump Hey, knows. stop for a second. Why the hell do they keep on saying no justice, no peace? I hear that all the time. I think I've heard Al Sharpton say it sometime within the last 25 years, once or twice. What did, what's that signal? Is it time? Oh, it's time. All right, we revamped a couple of things. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Who remembers Michael Fanone? Michael Fanone. I'm Michael Fanone. My name is Michael Fanone. The Capitol Hill cop, the bad cop. Oh, boy, is he a bad cop. I'm sorry. Bad guy, bad cop. And he's crying all over the place. He cried on Capitol Hill on national television, and he's still crying to anybody who will listen, anybody, CNN, uh, Rolling Stone, and he's complaining about everything. Quick refresher, um, Michael Fanone, uh, here he is last summer uh, yelling and screaming at members of Congress. Go ahead. Yes? No? Uh, what's up? Just tell me. Say something into the microphone. Oh, all right. It's not ready. Okay. I thought you gave me the signal that it was. Michael Fanone. Michael Fanone. Let it be known that Michael Fanone does not in any way, shape, or form want to visit the U.S. Capitol. It's so effing lame, he tells me. This is the reporter in Rolling Stone. What he absolutely does not want to do is this. He does not want to roam the so-called hallways of democracy or gaze pensively upon the portraits of dead white men or retrace the steps he took on January 6, 2021, when he responded to a distress call from Capitol Police and joined the scrum of cops pushing back violent insurrectionists inside a tunnel in the Capitol's West End. He does not want to stare into the middle distance, stony-faced and solemn, as he explains he was pulled into the crowd, beaten with pipes and the pole of a Blue Lives Matter flag, tased at the base of his skull, suffered a heart attack and a traumatic brain injury, 
and fended off the attackers with pleas of, I got kids, before losing consciousness for more than four minutes. He does not want to parade around like some gosh darn hero, although they don't use the word gosh darn hero, even if he is a gosh darn American hero, because Michael Fanon knows what can happen to gosh darn American heroes, and it isn't so effing good. So little of my life has been spent in that building, and F that place, he tells me, after we have spent two days together very much not visiting the U.S. Capitol, and F the people inside it, too. <laughs> wow, this guy's... Uh, like F, for instance, the 21 House Republicans who voted against awarding the Congressional Gold Medal to officers who defended the Capitol on January 6th. Can you imagine giving those guys a medal for one of the worst security failures in history? For total and utter incompetence? For shooting an unarmed woman? Are you crazy? But this is how crazy things are. Fanon gets his back up against the wall when this happens. And by the way, I think they got their gold medal. It's just that a handful of Republicans voted against it. But you should not vote against Michael Fanon's wishes. Listen to this. This is in the magazine. This is what they write. When Fanon got a load of that SHI, he called up his friend Harry Dunn. Ooh, another beauty. Capitol Police officer who testified with Fanon during the congressional hearings in 2021. And the two decided to pay a visit to every one of those House Republicans. I was like, I've got nothing better to do today. I'm going to annoy some people on Capitol Hill. Speaking of those visits, F that F, fat F, chief of staff who got the gall to ask to see Dunn's badge that day. All right, here's a taste. And tell me if I'm doing a reasonable uh, job at his voice. Are we ready? Here's Fanone last summer. During the assault, I thought about using my firearm on my attackers, but I knew that if I did, I would be quickly overwhelmed. And that in their minds would provide them with the justification for killing me. So I instead decided to appeal to the, any humanity they might have. I said as loud as I could manage, I've got kids. Thankfully, some in the crowd stepped in and assisted me. Those few individuals protected me from a crowd and inched me toward the Capitol until my fellow officers could rescue me. I was carried back inside. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. I had been beaten unconscious and remained so for more than four minutes. I know that Jimmy helped to evacuate me from the building and drove me to MedStar Washington Hospital Center, despite suffering significant injuries himself. At the hospital, doctors told me that I had suffered a heart attack, and I was later diagnosed with a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Where's the part where he says, go in a couple more seconds. Stayed with me for weeks waned. I've been left with the psychological trauma and the emotional anxiety of having survived such a horrific event. And my children continue uh. to deal with the trauma of nearly losing their dad that day. All right. Pretty soon he starts banging the table. Uh, more when we come back. Lighten up the known. It's going to be okay. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you guys who called in, uh, stand by. We'll get to you in just a few moments. I want to talk to you, Joe, John, Amy, and George. But first, we have a very special guest, the presidential advisor and consultant and political genius Dick Morris. His uh, new book, The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback is out. 
Number one Amazon bestseller, doing very, very well. It's required reading, really. Hey, Dick Morris, welcome. How are you? Hey, great to be here with you, Greg. Uh, Dick, first first things first. Nobody knows the Clintons like you do. Um, Hillary, let's just just clear it up. She's running for president, right? She's definitely a candidate or not? Well, it's complicated. If Biden runs, she's not going to run. But... No, but the Democrats do not want Biden to run. And recently they asked Pelosi and Schumer if they would support her and they, if, she, if he should run again. And they evaded the question. So clearly they don't want him to run again. And I think that if Biden, if the Democrats lose the Senate, which I think they will, uh, then the pressure on Biden will be to announce that he's not running again. And at that point, I think he pulls out. Hmm. And at that point, I think Hillary steps in. Wow. And I think that she's going to follow the exact same playbook that I wrote for Bill Clinton in 1992. And I laid this all out in my book, The Return, because I anticipated this. And what I told Clinton in 92 is the Democrats are desperate because they lost with Mondale in 84 and Dukakis in 88. And you should come there and say, if you guys continue to tap to the left and go so far left, you're never going to win. And to win in 92, you got to nominate me, and I'll move back to the center. And Hillary's going to give the exact same speech. She's going to say, we lost the House, we lost the Senate, because the leftists moved the party too far to the left. All right, two things. I'm running for president to bring it back to the center, just like my husband did. 30 years ago. Now, is she, that, is she, Dick, Dick, let me jump in. Is she a, at her core, you know her well, at her very core, what does she stand for? Is she far left? Is she at heart a diehard liberal? Is she an opportunist? Is she a centrist? What? She stands for herself, Greg. Uh, she'll be whatever she has to be to win. And she could care less one way or the other. Uh, and uh, when Arkansas, where she had to pose as a moderate because it's a southern state, she was moderate. Then she went to Washington with Clinton, and she became a leftist. Then Clinton lost Congress, so she moved to the right again. Then she ran for Senate in New York, which is the most liberal state in the country other than California, so she became a leftist again. Now she'll run for president, and she'll become a moderate again. Mm. Which is she? She's none of it. She's a chameleon. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Let's. I want to decomplicate this a little bit because, in my mind, there is absolutely no way that Joe Biden can run for president uh, for re-election. Yeah. There's just no way. Yeah. He, he was protected the last time. He won't be this time. Ukraine, I think the crisis in Ukraine and Russia is making it very unlikely that he's going to be able to run again. Because All right. The world is looking at it and saying, "Oh my God." Is the United States going to be led by the senile old fool? He can't. He can't stand up for our side, and I think his his defects are becoming glaringly apparent. So let's talk about Trump. Uh, look, I'm a huge fan. I would love to see him run again. I love his policies. I love his style. I love it. I think he'd be great, and I see a way. I think he can and should do it. But I do talk to you know Republicans in the know. And uh, a lot of them seem to be scared, and they don't want him to come back, and they're talking up DeSantis. Where do things stand there? Well, that's the Democratic strategy you're hearing, because their goal is to try to lure DeSantis into the race. 
because they know that it would be a bloody, terrible primary. Trump's not going to give up without a hell of a fight. And um, it'll rip the party apart and kill our chances in 24. But DeSantis isn't going to run. The latest poll shows Trump beating him by 65 to 17. And he may be stubborn, but he's not crazy. And um, Trump has a lock on this nomination. And uh, whoever is the Republican candidate is going to win in 24 because the economy is so bad and it's getting worse. You know, I want to run this by you, Dick. And I know you got an appointment. I'll I'll let you go soon. But um, I've always felt that Trump had the capacity to actually be a great president to win 40 states, 45 states, something Ronald Reagan-like. Now, that may not be in the cards, but I do think that if he started talking to his opponents, people who don't like him on the left, uh, you know, we know the base loves him. And we saw that in Michigan. We see it almost every weekend. But if he once did a, not a rally, but he an, an overt kind of appeal to people who disagree with him, like... If you're on the left, if you are gay, if you are this, if you are that, you have nothing to fear from me. Because I do think that many of the principles he's fighting are not right or left. They're American, true American principles that most people would agree with. Do you see – do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And is there a chance that yeah, Trump would do I, something like that? I, Greg, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, the, the left wants to – use climate change to completely change this country economically and to use uh, the gay and uh, and equity issue and racial issues to change the country in terms of this, in terms of what it is and what our core is. And they're not going to be sued by anything Trump says. They won't even hear it. The media will censor it. The way for him to win is that only about 35% of the country drinks the Kool-Aid, and you have about 20 or 25 percent that's not part of Trump's base, but that likes him, likes what he did. They may bristle at his style. They may not like his personality, but they believe he's on the right track, and I point that out in my book, The Return, and those are the votes we can get, and we're not going to win with 60 percent of the vote. But we are going to win with 54 or 55. I love it. I love it. Uh, I still think, though, I mean, that ship may have sailed, but it would make some people, it would put some minds and hearts at ease. Remember Rocky II, Rocky Balboa, he surprised everybody. He went from southpaw to right-handed, and then he switched back, and it totally messed up Apollo Creed. And I do feel like he's got the capacity to do that. I'm not saying, you know, he's still got to be true to himself and true to us. But look, the important thing is get Dick Morris's book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Dick Morris, it's um, uh, I just got my own copy, so I'm going to devour it, and I really look forward to it. Dick Morris, thank you. you I've been speaking to Trump almost every day. Yeah? Uh, I was at the rally over the weekend. He invited me. And? And he called me uh, the next morning. How do you think I did? And we talked about it, and we've gotten even closer than we were in the 2020 campaign. I go through what we, what we did together in 2020 in the book, because I was secret then. Oh. I didn't let anyone know I was working for him. But um, now I'm more public about it, and and um, 
it's become a very close personal relationship. And I, I, I love really it. love the guy. It's uh, he's an amazing man. He really is. And uh, what a what a what what an amazing privilege uh, that kind of friendship. Thank you very you much. Know my family history with him, Greg. Do I, you? I, uh, well, no, but my dad was his lawyer. Wait a second. His... For what? My dad was his real estate lawyer. I thought Roy Cohn was his lawyer. No, I know he had a lot no, of lawyers. And Roy was my cousin. Roy is my ah, cousin. No kidding. Hey, no. let me ask you something. Doesn't Roy Cohn get a bad rap? I, I'm, I'm sick of these documentaries. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I he can't. Oh, nobody. He, go, tell me. He sure does. And listen, all the people he exposed were communists. Alger Hiss was an agent of the KGB, uh, passing atomic secrets to the Russians for money. And Nixon was crucified, and, and Cohn was crucified for going after him. Yeah. And uh, and and he said that Hollywood was too leftist. Well, look at it now. So, yeah, I think he does get a bad rap. Hey, by the way, and and it happens to be that Roy Cohn uh, was gay, but I guess in the closet, everybody knew he was gay. I mean, not in the yeah. closet, but you know, he he didn't talk about it much. And Donald Trump, you know, they were very close. They were very close. Yeah. This guy is not a homophobe. He is, as no, they say, not. the least racist he's person. Not. That's an amazing little tidbit. Hey, about Trump and my father and Roy in my book, they were basically a trio. And uh, my father did the legal work. Roy did the politics and Trump did the money. Hey, last thing, last and thing. They, I got to ask you this. Bill Clinton, on some gut level, or maybe not so gut, maybe it's intellectual. Bill Clinton has to be in awe of Donald Trump, the political talent, the instincts, the... What does yeah. Bill Clinton think of Trump? He, he does. He, I haven't spoken to Bill in 20 years, but I'm sure he is. But, you know, when I first went to work for Trump, he said, well, it's quite a trip from Clinton to me. And I said, you know, sir, when I was listening to your State of the Union this year, 2020, 2020, I said, it's the same State of the Union speeches I used to write for Clinton. Hmm. The same issues, the same promises. Just Clinton's making the promises, and you're reciting your accomplishments. <laughs> you both talked about a border wall. Yeah. You both talked about increasing deportations of criminal immigrants. You both talked about reforming welfare. Yeah, well, he's, he was no—by no, today's, today's standards, by today's standards, Dick, we know that Bill Clinton was no—I know that Bill, uh, Bill Clinton was in awe of Trump if you look at— Clinton's body language at that town hall debate in 2016. He's what it, it going back to Rocky. He looks like um, he looks like that. Uh, what the hell was his name? The 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 manager, the promoter. When he's watching the Andrew, fight, he's Mickey, a, Mickey. no no yeah. no no not Mickey. I'm talking about the guy who actually coordinated the fight, George Jurgens. George Jurgens okay. at one point is watching the fight. They cut to him, and you can tell he knows he's watching history. He's watching something. Um, right. uh, just indescribable, unrepeatable, right. and that's right. what Bill Clinton. Hey, I gotta go, Dick. Uh, appreciate okay. it so much. The return Bye-bye, by Dick Greg. Morris. Go Take buy care. it. Thank you, sir. Uh, what a brainiac! I love that guy, Dick Morris, and having access to him, folks, this is a real privilege. The guy is uh, has seen it all. Hey, uh, you guys have been on hold for a long time. I want to go to you, Joe, in the Bronx. Joe, how are hey, you, Greg? What's going I'm great. on? Great. How are you? Terrific. What's up? Thank- all right. Two points. I think that the Democrats, um, the Republicans and Trump are missing an opportunity. Um, I think they need to flip Hunter Biden. Show him a little love. Um, I think there's a lot of 
animosity there between him and his dad. And I think if you flip him, give him immunity. Well, we can't. No, 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 no. I got to stop you right there. We don't have the power to do that. We can't offer him anything. The Justice Department, he has complete cover. I mean, we could just, what, be publicly nice to him or something, and he's going to be nice to us? We can't offer him anything like that. Can't offer him anything. The Democrats run the Department of Justice. What's your other point? The other point is, um, <clears throat> oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, we need Trump for four years. I thought you were going right? to say something about the Black History Museum. Is that was, you? What's I the, was, what's but the, I got off topic. Well, yeah, what's the beef? I think I, I, the beef is, no, I'm with you. I love everything you say. I agree with 99% yeah, but what's of the things, po- Yeah, you can't nitpick every single little thing. Sure I can. Then it's going to be a black and white thing. Let them take them wherever they want. What do you mean by them? No, 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 no. When this guy is talking about the Chuck Berry exhibit, I mean, listen, you're going to take a bunch of kids to go to... Where's that guy talking about Chuck Berry? you got to listen to this, actually. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Yeah, listen to this. This is why you should go to the African American Museum. Go ahead. You can also see Chuck Berry's Cadillac. Dick Gregory has an exhibit there. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Did you know that Chuck Berry was arrested once for armed robbery, three years in prison, and once for the Man Act, transporting a 13-year-old girl across state lines for sex? But now we can see his Cadillac. I don't think it's appropriate. I think there are bigger, grander things. And actually, Joe, I don't think this is nitpicking. I really don't. I think this is about keeping our country intact, shared values. That's one of the things that makes a country a country. Anyway, thanks for calling. Denise is in uh, Mount Bethel, Pennsylvania. Where is that? It's between Stroudsburg and Allentown. Uh, where's that? Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I mean, no, I'll look it up on a map. I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, it's, it's Allentown. The only thing I wanted to say was I was listening to that radio guy and all that, and I I agree with you. There's a lot more to see in Washington. But I would be curious to call him and say, tell me, does the museum have a special section dedicated to, and I can't remember her name, Aunt Jemima, and how she struggled to become a success? And I wonder if the Black Museum or whatever they call it has a, a dedicated area just for her and what a wonderful person she was and then right up until she got canceled exactly i'm sorry i'm losing my voice you know what's funny you know what's you know actually it's sad you know in that crazy silly moment where we went around canceling everything and everything was racist guess what they canceled they canceled almost every figure every kind of uh, logo that featured a black person and they kept all the white ones so Aunt Jemima is gone, but the Quaker Oats guy is still there, right? Uh, Captain Crunch is still there, happens to be a white pirate. Um, but the Cream of Wheat guy is gone. Isn't that, isn't that kind of ironic? Maybe that's the word. All right. I appreciate it very much. Uh, oh, I got time for one more. Do I? What the? Oh, no. I, all right. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, wow. So Kim... Hi. Kim Kardashian is um, in trouble. She is to pay $1.26 million to settle SEC investigation into role in crypto deal. If anybody can explain to me what the hell cryptocurrency is, I'm glad I never got into that stuff. 
for a while there, I was <laughs> kicking myself. But Kim Kardashian will pay $1.26 million to settle regulatory allegations that she failed to disclose money she was paid for promoting a cryptocurrency to investors, the Securities and Exchange Commission said, the latest celebrity to face punishment over their crypto dealings. Oh, yeah, I think she got paid $250,000 to hype Emacs tokens on her Instagram account. Huh. I wonder if it worked. You know, I talked to somebody who once engaged a very, very, very important influencer. I mean, we're talking, uh, I don't want to reveal the details, but we're talking right up there. Actually, we're talking basically one of the Kardashian in that milieu, okay, in that group. Somebody paid a lot of money to get their uh, product, you know, endorsed, whatever. Hey, I just tried this blankety blank, and you should too. You know what it led to? $300 in sales. $300. Everybody thinks, oh, we're just one click away, one Instagram post away from fame and fortune. If only a billionaire will notice us, only an Instagrammer with 10 billion followers will retweet us, everything will change. No, it doesn't. Uh, Mary Beth in Southampton, yes. Hello, Greg. Hi. Where are you? Where am I? Hi. <laughs> Did I say where I was looking for the icon of it? I want to turn off the radio. Did I do it? It's all right. What's up? I'm running out of okay. time. So, okay, sorry. So I have an idea. You said something somewhere. I'm not sure if it was Newsmax or the radio about um, getting left-leaning people to support Trump. And I have an idea. Yeah. And I want to share it with you. How about he starts wearing, like, groovy sneakers with his suits? You know, like, these people no. are kind of on Mary the Beth, shallow side. Mary, Mary Beth, no. Mary Beth, no. That's exactly, that's the that's the little stunt that Democrats would try. Or rhino Republicans. Remember Mitt Romney putting on the hunting gear that he never even saw before? Remember that? That's phony stuff. No, I know, but that's funny. But tongue-in-cheek, you know? But like, No, nah, it's got to be. Oh, have you no, noticed... Have you ever seen Trump in anything other than a suit and tie or golf golf clothes? Literally, that's it. That's all he wears. And I think he should stay with that. I'm talk we got to talk substance, you know what I mean? We've people have seen all the gimmicks or whatever. They just make fun of him for wearing goofy sneakers. It's not going to it's not going to appeal to the left or anything like that. And maybe Dick is right. Maybe that ship has sailed. There's only so much you can do in the left. They're f- too far gone. You know? Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to disappoint you, Mary Beth, but I don't think it's going to work. I just don't think so. All right. All right. Okay. All right. By the way, what? your impression of um, what's his name, um, Mitch, was, uh, you nailed it. Oh, Thank excellent. You. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Oh, very, very good. Keep in touch, okay? Hey, George has been on hold for a long time. Yes, George. How are you, Greg? I'm from uh, Garden City originally. I lived there 40 years. You'll be unhappy to know if you call the police department, crime even are in an idyllic place like Garden City is up. Home invasions, all kinds of stuff. So for all the people who live in nice neighborhoods in Nassau County thinking crime won't come to them, you better wake up. On 7th Street, I was told that kids come in wilding on bikes. Other people jump out of their cars, run into the supermarket, grabbing fistfuls of frozen food, and nobody does a thing. I don't know what the Garden City cops are doing. It's really a sad state. People should wake up, and crime is coming to them unless something is done. That's yeah. all I want to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, these uh, these groceries, we're going to put an end to retailing. Retailing as we know it will die. They can't put up with much more of this. You know, a, 
they're not making a killing. You know, they're, they're, they're not. The profit margins are very small. And you go into a drugstore or a grocery store and you steal a bunch of stuff. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks, everybody. See you tonight at 10 o'clock on the Newsmax. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.